The results from the 2020 presidential election have just been finalized. The party in the White House has flipped, and the U.S. Senate seems on track for a rough patch in history. However, the topic at hand is not the results, but the potential interference by a foreign nation in the election, the Soviet Union. Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton. United States currently stands alone as the world's lone superpower, unless you choose to count China. This wasn't always the case. For almost a hundred years, another major world power rivaled the U.S., the Soviet Union. To be brief, the Soviet Union, or USSR, was a communist country that existed when the Russian Tsar was overthrown in 1917 up until its collapse in 1991. However, its collapse was far from guaranteed. The policies of both the Soviet leader Gorbachev, Mikhail Gorbachev, and U.S. President Ronald Reagan likely contributed greatly to its collapse. So today we will explore history without those two figures interfering in what would be a very different 1985. The Iran-Contra scandal was plaguing the Reagan administration. Ronald Reagan's health couldn't deal with it forever. However, the nation was still shocked on the day in summer 1985 when President Reagan suffered a heart attack and soon resigned from the presidency. George H. W. Bush took office. However, it didn't take long for a Democrat-controlled House of Representatives to impeach President Bush on corruption charges. The Senate acquitted him. Bush's popularity tanked, but not quite enough to have him lose the Republican nomination for president. The Democrats had a tight primary campaign between Bill Clinton and Gary Hart. Scandals had plagued both their, their campaigns, but in the end, Clinton's won out over Hart. Clinton then nominated the popular Delaware, Delaware Senator Joe Biden for the VP slot. Bush and his VP, Dan Quayle, ran on the Republican ticket. In the Soviet Union, 1975, it's seen the rise of a new general, general secretary of the Communist Party, Andrei Gumrakul had taken power as a longtime member of the Soviet Communist Party. Even as the U.S. was going through political instability, Garakmu would provide four stable years in the USSR. Back in America, the 1988 presidential campaign came to center around a single swing state, California. The days of Reagan's 1984 presidential landslide were gone, and the entire campaign would center around the Golden State. Monterey became the swing county that, would, that either party would likely need to win the state. Millions of dollars were poured into the central Californian county, and in the end, Clinton came out on top. Likewise, Clinton narrowly won the election, flipping most states along the Pacific coast, as well as doing well in the Midwest and Northeast. Clinton's days as president quickly came to the Soviet Union and how the U.S. would deal with the USSR. Clinton began by reducing tensions by reducing the number of nuclear warheads and lowering military spending. In response, the USSR did the same, allowing their economy to recover. Clinton turned toward domestic policy and ending Reaganomics policies and raised taxes on the richer citizens of America. Clinton proved to be very charismatic and very popular with the public. In 1992, he pulled off a Reagan-esque victory, defeating Newt Gingrich. However, the Clinton administration had had many dark sides with the several sex scandals that he had had. 
This meant nothing, however. Clinton remained popular with the nation at large. The Soviet Union remained healthy. It continued to expand communism. However, there was another threat to both nations, this time coming out of the Middle East. Terrorism was on the rise. Both nations would have to deal with terrorism. Uh, its primary start came when the Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan in the 1970s. However, U.S. policies there did not improve it. After Clinton engaged with the, with the Iraqi government, eventually overthrowing it after they had invaded Kuwait, the terrorist group Al-Qaeda began to pop up. Initially, they just plagued Russian and American military vehicles and personnel. However, very, very soon, they had begun to attack larger objects. On September 11, 2001, the World Trade Center in New York City and the Kremlin in Moscow both came under attacks by planes issued by Al-Qaeda. Both governments were quick to respond in the war on terror. Imagine, your name is George W. Bush. The year is 2004. You were running for president against the successor... Well, you are running for president. The Democrats have controlled the White House for 16 consecutive years. First with Bill Clinton, and then later with two terms under his vice president, Joe Biden. However, in 2004, that all comes to an end. You, it seems as if you'll be running against Tennessee Senator Al Gore. Gore supports a strong environmentalist policy, as well as a hard stance, as well as a weaker stance on terrorism compared to Biden and Clinton. You, Bush, support a stronger policy. When 2004 finally comes, the entire nation watches on TV as the as states are called one after another. Soon it becomes evident that Michigan will become the state that decides the election. Having voted for Democrats since 1988, it would be an incredible pickup if Bush managed to pull it off. He did, by only a few hundred votes and almost a month of recounts. I know it's short, but I'm going to end our episode here for today. That's because I want to spend the rest of the time I have to announce something I'll be hosted by Imagine If, a writing contest. Our writing contest will take place over the course of January 2021, and submissions will be gathered during that time period. The winning, the winning uh, writings will be displayed here on Imagine If in early February 2021. You can submit your submissions at imagineifahpodcast at gmail.com. Here are the rules for the writing contest. All writings must meet the following to even be considered. It must be written in Google Docs or Microsoft Word and have the proper sharing settings to where the judges, can, namely myself and potentially others, can read it. This is because if we can't read whatever it is you've written, then how are we to judge it? And then, this one's more of a suggestion than a rule. It must be in Times New Roman font, size 12. That's just a personal preference of mine. And this one, it must have between 500 and 5,000 words. However, we would prefer it if it was between 2,000 and 3,000 words. This is so that we can 
Now anything that's too long or too short to deal with. Guidelines. This is a chance to promote an alternate history work of your creation. Three to five works will be selected and read here on Imagine If. You may submit your name or the name of your company or organization and have a short message which will be read on the show if you so wish. We advise you to keep your writing apolitical and we'd also advise you that any and all writing deemed racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, or any other way offensive or in any way that contains plagiarism or violates copyright law in the United States, it will not be considered. In submitting your work, you grant full copyright permissions to Imagineth. I really hope that, now having said all the negative stuff, I really hope that you do choose to write for it because I would I like to read other people's alternate histories just as much or more than I like to write them myself and I'm sure other people might like to see a different writing style than what I have so thank you and I hope you participate see you next week